Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. We're going to do another replay, and I love doing replays of our past Be Your Own Loud podcast. And here's why, because we have had the honor of interviewing some truly remarkable people who do truly remarkable things. Jerome Myers is somebody who not only I follow diligently because of his thought leadership, who he is and what he does, but also because he does something that very few other people do, which is to have a real process on how to have people make real changes in their life. So enjoy the replay today. I know you will. Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast presented by us here at Proud Mouth. I'm Matt Haller and your host, of course. The show has a simple foundation to be an amazing people who have risen above the noise, who are unapologetically themselves and have embodied being their own loud. Using these interviews as inspiration, our purpose is to help you amplify your voice to become the subject matter authority you are meant to be. Our guest today is Jerome Myers. He's the preeminent authority on dream realization, founder of Dreamcatchers, Myers Method, and Myers Development Course, and he's also a podcaster. Jerome, welcome to the show. Be your own loud. Man, it's so good to be with you. I, I've listened to you and Kelly Cardenas twice. I've listened to you and a few other places, and I'm like, man, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm super excited for the adventure we're about to go on. And so I want to go right out of the gate. Everybody needs to understand your your story, because this is what we have been finding, Jerome, and, and I know that you coach and consult a lot of people, and that you really truly help people realize their dreams. But one of the things that you and I had talked about previously is... Somehow you have to be given permission by yourself usually to rise above the noise and be your own loud. And you have been very successful at that. And there was an event in your life that really flipped that switch. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, please? Uh, we're going to go straight into the pain right off the bat. Huh? Come on. I want to start where we need to start and then we'll build from there. <laughs> All right. So we got to give the listeners some context here. My, my last job in corporate America, I had the grand fortune of building a $20 million division for a fortune 550. Now, the reward for that was a phone call on December 24th at 4.55 that goes something like this. Hey, Jerome, we've been going right back and forth and round and around on what's going to happen with the staff going forward. Yes, you did go up to 175 and you were employee number two on January 13th. And we did things that people didn't think we could do. But the fact of the matter is we don't have a place for all these folks anymore. I've decided that we're going to lay them off. One or two things can happen. We can have somebody do it for you. We just kind of let it all happen. Or you can pick your kickball team for 2016. And I'm sitting there and I'm mouth to the floor questioning, what do I say next? Because I've been pushing pretty hard to say this isn't the right move. I start to go into my rant. He's like, no, no, listen, we've already decided. I'm just informing you of what's going to happen. Oh. Now. I'm going to go enjoy my family. I'll talk to you next year. And I look at the clock. It's 4.59. And I say, wait. He's like, no, you don't understand. This is done. I'll talk to you next year. And hangs up the phone. And so here I am, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to tell these people who've put their lives on hold, how I'm going to decide who stays, who goes, what do we actually need. I spend the next seven days not sleeping, not eating, obsessing over the folks who are 
going to actually continue to help us. What I promised myself in order to get through this is I'll never do this again. We fast forward to two days before Thanksgiving of 2016. And I'm saying, hey, all hands meeting. I don't know what's going to happen. Please do not spend your whole check on Black Friday. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but please don't spend your whole check on Black Friday. And before I said it, of course, my stomach dropped. I knew that that was going to be one of the last times that I stood in front of a room full of people who were counting on me in a company that I didn't know. It was in that moment that I decided that I was going to become a corporate America dropout. And I stayed through the end of the year, but then I launched into full entrepreneurship. I went and grabbed this dream I had on the shelf from sophomore year in college where I thought, man, it'd be really cool to own an apartment complex. I didn't really think it was going to be cool. What I thought was the guy who was making a whole lot of money and I never saw him and talked to him. So how did, how did I get there? Right. My buddy Duran and I sitting on the stoop. He lived in an apartment below me, had two roommates. I was paying three ninety five. Both my roommates were paying three ninety five. Same situation in Duran's unit. We multiplied out around the complex. Guys made $700,000 a year. Now $700,000 was a lot of money to me. My dad was a soldier. My mom stayed at home with me. I didn't need 700,000. I just needed 70. I could leave an amazing life. So I was like, maybe I could just go do that. If we did 20 million with 30% profit, maybe I could go do 70,000 or 700,000 in my own business and, and live a decent life. And it was there that I really started finding out how things happen on the other side of the veil, how different your life can be when you decide that your dreams should be real. It was early in the podcast. I usually wait until later to get people drawn in, but I'm going to get them right now. So you just heard that your dreams should be real. Now you're beholden to it. You can't pretend like, oh, well, everybody else says I need to be mediocre. They don't actually say mediocre. They say you should be practical. I'm telling you your dreams should be real. And it's up to you in order to make a decision on whether or not you're going to live a life of practicality or you're going to live out your wildest dreams. And it's my hope that after our conversation that you'll be so inspired that you'll continue to go. Well, and that's that's behind the veil, right? This is this whole idea of you being Morpheus. For those of you who don't know, that's a Matrix reference. If you don't know what that is, I don't know where you've been living, Uh, but you really need to watch the movies. Uh, Maybe not the third one, but the one and two were really, really good. But here's the thing. Neo is offered the ability to see what's real and to continue to live in the matrix. And what what Jerome's model seems to be, which we're going to unpack that a lot more, is to take that red pill to leave the matrix and have the opportunity to live your dreams by giving yourself permission to do that. So we have to break that down. Like, I don't understand how you can convince somebody who is so ingrained in their own crap, how they can take the freaking red pill and wake up from the lies they've been telling themselves. So the red pill is really practical, right? It's our model for a centered life. It's got six levels. It starts with self. A lot of people look out into the world and they want the world to change. But change starts with you. That's why you have to take the proverbial red pill. And by the way, that movie's never said in the and that line is never said in the movie, right? They, they never say I took the red pill. But you take the red pill, and what you do is you start working on yourself. Your relationship with yourself teaches the world how to treat you. Most people are scared to hold others accountable because they're not accountable to themselves. Think about it. When's the last time you let yourself down? You made a promise, you didn't keep it, you just kind of shrugged your shoulders, and that just kind of becomes par for the course. Or 
you rather be accountable to somebody else than yourself because you don't want that person to think bad of you. But what about your opinion of you? Right. We, we fix that up. We get you excited about who you are so that when you look in the mirror, you can smile instead of being a little disgusted with the person who's looking at them. Right. From there, we move to relationships. And the reason why you have to fix your self-image is because once you're accountable to yourself, you can hold other folks accountable. And that in and of itself elevates the caliber of folks that you spend time with. If you're never accountable, if you can't count on yourself, the people around you are going to do exactly the same thing. In addition to that, what I found and the people that I work with, and I think I can help the most, the apex performers, they have people who only come to them to get, they are source energy for most folks. They have these one-way relationships. There's no mutual benefit. And their goal is to just continue to be sourced because it brings attention to them. It brings people interested in spending time with them. From there, we go to work, right? You fix these, these relationships so that they're mutually beneficial. That allows you to get the most out of people. So if you have a team, you instantly become that leader. Mm-hmm. You've got the charisma. You've got all these things going for you. And in your work, that then allows you to align your morals and values with the work that you do usually ends up in higher compensation. And then you end up in this place where things are happening and people are saying, you got the Midas touch, you got the golden touch, right? From there, we go to health. And why do we do health after all this stuff? Why don't you start out with health, Jerome? Well, I believe that the first three, self-image, relationship, and work, create all the stress in your life, all of it. And I, I wait for people to argue with me all the time. Right. So we want to fix the stress so that you eliminate the self-destructive behaviors that are killing your health. Right. So we're fixing it from the inside out. We fix your health, get that situated, mental, physical, spiritual, whatever you consider to be your health, work through all that. Then we go to the next level, which is prosperity. And this is level five. And people want to go to five right off the bat. You're like, I just need to figure out how I'm going to make more money. And I'll tell you, you'll make as much money as you want if you become the person you need to become. It'll come to you. Money will chase you. I promise. I went through the transition. I, I took the red pill myself. And what I realized was when I wasn't the best person I could be, I was running behind money, doing anything I could to get money, laying folks off against my will, et cetera, et cetera. When I took a stance, exited the matrix and decided that I was going to become the best person I could be, people are excited to send me money each month in order for us to work on their lives to help get them to that next level that they're trying to get to. Prosperity is that next level. And I I believe that everybody should have abundance. Matt, when you came on our show, you talked about there being a seat at the table for folks. And that just touched my soul because I do believe that once you become the person you're supposed to become, doors open up. There's opportunity and abundance. Out of that overflow from your prosperity, I want people to be able to give. And that ties into level six, which is significant. That significance comes out of your overflow. It doesn't come out of what you actually need to survive. The lady or the guy who gives you the safety briefing on your next airplane ride is going to tell you you need to put your mask on first. And then you put other people's mask on. It's amazing that people have given hearts. But if you don't have the capacity, if you don't have the overflow, then you are putting yourself in a precarious situation, which 
will lead you to slip back into your health. And then your relationship probably wasn't set up. That money's never going to come back, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not just money, what I'm talking about in overflow. I'm talking about time, talent, and the treasures. For sure. So those are the six levels of the red pills, self-image, relationship, work, health, prosperity, and significance. So part of being your own loud really is unapologetically allowing to be yourself, right? Giving yourself that permission. As Oscar Wilde said, you might as well be yourself because everybody else is taken. And I got to go back to that because that foundational work is what scares everybody the most. Looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, I'm okay with who's looking back at me. I need you to unpack that more for our audience. How do you address the sometimes years and huge levels of baggage that people are dragging along with them. So when they look at themselves, they're not seeing their true self. What they see is their true self, right? Because it's all perception. Now, the question is, is that who they want to remain? Because you are who, what you see and everybody around you, you are what they see. So do you, want to keep that or can you see because everything happens twice can you see a different life for yourself can you see yourself behaving differently and the, the question that i love to ask is is this reality serving you are these facts serving you because i believe that the world is here to serve us okay define service uh, more on that I, I i need clarity on that word yeah all right so i'll, I'll use you because i think this is really meaningful because i love your heart you made a statement on our podcast where you basically said I was disloyal to yes. the previous owner of a company that I worked for. Yeah. And all of the facts that you presented while going through the story said, no, you were overly loyal to the guy. You taught him to mistreat you. And then instead of calling a spade a spade, you fell on a sword because that's who you are. You're just a giving person. Now, that serves you maybe when you're with your wife or your children, that compassion, that, that level of love that you're sharing with them to allow them to move through whatever the conflict is. But when you're on opposite sides of a negotiating table and you're trying to get compensated, commensurate with the value that you're creating, I would say that that level of compassion allows you to be taken advantage of. In that case, I don't feel like that activity, those actions, those behaviors are serving you. Sure. Now you may, and that's okay. And that's the great part about our system is we simply ask the question and let the person decide. Mm. And it's always eyes wide open. I don't, I don't ever want somebody to walk into a wall because they didn't actually see it. Everything ends up in a lot of ways being a math problem. And there's a logical right answer to each one of the things. Okay. And then there's the emotional factor that trumps the logic. And that's totally okay. As long as you can acknowledge that, hey, business-wise, this doesn't make sense. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And once you make that decision, you never look back because you made the choice. How do you fit into this? Or do you just mirror stuff? I mean, how are you... I love this. Holding the safe space because that, I don't think enough people have that term. You, you, I think you know that about me. I don't think that people know that somebody's actually freaking listening and cares and really wants them to live the life that you're talking about. 
first off, there's two parts to this question. First off, where did that come from? And two, how do you do it? Yeah, where did it come from? I got the gift of a coach when I was in my first year of being an employee at a Fortune 500 company. I had a mentor who was a president of a division, and he said, the best thing I can do is allow you to see my coach twice a month, once a month, whatever it was. And in that, I could go in there and say whatever I wanted and get all the feedback I need. I remember I wrote a paper and I was talking about the baby boomers for my MBA. I wrote they were scratching and clawing in order to get to the top of the company. And she was offended. And she said, depending on who you put this in front, this way may not be received well. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't know that. But okay. I was just trying to be, paint a picture, tell a good story. And she was like, yeah, no, don't do that. And she was, she spent all her time working with executives. So she got it. I, I made the adjustment, but I mean, there were just so many of these stories where I didn't have to question whether or not it was okay to be me. Cause so many folks put a mask on saying yeah. they're being professional or they're getting into a place where the person's going to give them money. And then they have to keep that charade up and they get exhausted. It's tiring. And what I found, and the thing that probably cuts through the best, is when you show up as you and give people the opportunity to see who you are. That's when people get really comfortable really quickly. And I'm not saying, hey, go pour your baggage on the table. But I am saying, if you're naturally a loving and giving person, be that. If you're somebody who wants to cut through all of the sugar coating and get right to the point, as long as everybody has dignity when you're done, do that. That allows people to know where you are. And if they can be authentic in their experience, and Ray Dalio has really popularized this concept, then you can move quickly. The speed of trust jumps up dramatically, and that allows people to make decisions and interact and engage from the buzzword, right, authentic place. If you're doing anything else, you're confusing folks. It's just kind of like sarcasm, right? Somebody can say something sarcastically and the person has to be paying attention in order to know whether or not there's some cynicism baked into the comment. Well, why would we try to make communication any more complicated than it already is? I don't know. Because that's what you're doing. And then you get frustrated if they don't get it. And so my favorite thing to do when somebody's sarcastic with me is to not get it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you said what you meant. And what it does is it shifts the power of the conversation. And now it's like, oh, well, no, that's not as what I meant. Okay, so what did you actually mean? And as soon as you get them out of that, now you can have a conversation that's not littered with these little jabs or these barbs or somebody trying to figure out what you're not saying instead of actually having a one-on-one conversation that's direct. So that's where the safe space came from. It's just... Knowing that, one, I've made a ton of mistakes. Two, I've been in places where I've had plenty of grace, the opportunity to express myself and get different perspectives on how things would be perceived. The world expects the mask. Look at Instagram filters is a perfect example, right? Don't You're not good enough yourself, so therefore you need this. And that's the consumeristic environment that we live in here in this matrix. Do you believe that taking people through the Myers method, having them take the red pill, 
allows them to see what truly is instead of what we are wanted to believe. It's programming. All of that is it's marketing. You're not good enough because you'll spend money to be good enough. But what if you were good enough? Or what if the person who was giving you the thing, you actually question why they were telling you the message they were telling you? Think about what we've talked about so far, Matt. Your dream should be real. Mm-hmm. What incentive do I have to tell people their dream should be real? I want their dream to be a reality. Yeah. But what do I get out of that? I, telling you that you're living a mediocre life or you're being practical, that's offensive to most people. But what if you actually didn't find a reason to be offended and question whether or not there was truth there? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of me beating a person up and saying, oh, yeah, I mean, think about <laughs> how do they sell everything? It's either a woman or money or I forget what the last piece is. But all of those things, it's just to say you don't have the stuff. And it's always my encouragement to say you have all the things or you have access to them. You just have to be willing to do whatever it takes in order to get it. I, I don't remember which number it was, but but prosperity and, and allowing five. yourself to five. OK, so five. That is another major hurdle, because a lot of times we are the reason why we don't take that next step and give ourselves that seat at the table. In your, Tell me a story about somebody that you've worked with, and in step five, they had the epiphany that you, that you in your heart of hearts was just, man, if this person could just see this. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, it's funny. I spent the weekend with him and his family this weekend. He went up to a wedding this weekend and less than a year ago, he he bought his new house. It's, I don't know, 6,000 square feet on a few acres. It's got a golf course running through the back. And I was joking with him. I was like, you got to park in your backyard. It's got pavers and so on and so forth. He dropped out of corporate America, decided he was going to build a financial practice was going to save all the wrong people, the folks who didn't actually have money to invest, sell insurance to them, had high lapse rate, and he was just doing the activity, but with the wrong people. When he adjusted the market slightly to folks who could actually invest and buy the stuff and make the decisions on a consistent basis that were in alignment with creating true wealth, his Practice started to grow and then grow and grow. And I'll I'll never forget when we won financial representative of the year the first time for the whole state. And then the second time we were trying to back to back it, we lost by like two points. Oh, consummate competitor, right? Show up at the day where they present the awards and before he goes in, he said, we're never going to lose again. Now, fast forward. He ends up being the number two guy in the state from a leadership standpoint instead of an individual contributor standpoint. And that leads, but his personal production is still top. In fact, last year, I think he was the top financial representative again, in addition to his leadership responsibilities, which nobody's doing, right? Because basically you lose a whole day through doing admin stuff. Here's the back to the prosperity piece, right? That's the work. The prosperity piece, his house is over two times what the house that he was living in when he was building from a price point standpoint. The level of convenience, anything that you can think of is about 10 to 15 minutes away. Mm -hmm. 
it's this beautiful mix of I don't ever have to see my neighbors with I can get to any shopping mall or have any massage or whatever you the the best of the best of the city is within 10 or 15 minutes of his house yeah. and you you just can't get that and he he t- he said this to me about six months ago he was like this guy came to me and he said your dream should be real and i was stupid enough to believe him <laughs> yeah and we've, we've been working for seven years man I started out as a client and then he's like, yeah, I've been working on this thing. And I was like, well, let me see if I can help. Yeah. And I was picking with him because I was like, I remember when I used to be one of your top clients, you'd take me to lunch. And he was like, yeah, you're not, a, you're not just a top client anymore. I don't know what you are. Basically family. But because of the spaces that I end up in with people, I'm literally embedding myself into their lives, looking to help them get the best that they can get. You you can't find a space where somebody doesn't have an angle. Romantically, they have an angle. What's what's this going to do? Is this going to jeopardize our relationship? Is this going to impact the level of comfort that we experience? There, there's some bias in whatever guidance or feedback you get there. But when I come in, all I care about is what's best for Matt. Yeah. And all the other people are amazing and great. But when Matt, is taking care of everybody else and not taking care of himself, something or somebody has to give Matt a voice yep. or Matt's dream of voice if Matt isn't paying attention to his dream because he's taking care of everybody else's. And that is, I believe, my value proposition. That, for me, is the actual magic. Well, and that's that put your mask on before you freaking put it on for your kid, right? I mean, that's, or whoever you're sitting next to. Now, I haven't asked anybody else this question, but for some reason this came to mind for you, who are you surrounding yourself with now? Like you are, you put out so much energy for your clients and you are that person, but you have to recharge yourself too. What are you doing and who are you surrounding yourself with? What are you reading? Help us understand what a person who helps other people be so successful does to keep them grounded and centered. This is a great question. The first thing is four o'clock, 4.30, wake up every day. And then I don't talk to anybody before nine o'clock. All of that time is me time. Nice. Okay. Meditation, uh, podcasts, reading, journaling, Spanish, Mm. YouTube videos, run, lift weights. All of these things happen in those four to five hours. And then I, I get ready to serve the world. Okay. Inherently, I'm I'm an introvert. It is draining unless you're working with people who are chasing their dreams. And then that's invigorating. Some of the folks, Carl Stone is a great example. He he started a new podcast called Dear Black CEO. He started an agency called The Cast Agency. And in those two things, he's looking to partner big brands with minority-owned businesses, specifically Black-owned businesses, to help them grow their revenue dramatically. He's also helping people come up with high ticket offers because most people make their initial offer, it converts and they don't ever change it. Right. They just keep selling it over and over again. Yeah. We liken it to Toyota. He's helping them come up with their Lexus brand mm-hmm. so that they can get that premium offer and get the increase in profit that most people never get. We had no idea when we started the journey that that was going to be the offer on the back end. But what I can tell you is it's transformational for everybody that he comes in contact with because 
if you're trying to scale your business, you've got to have something that's high ticket, that's going to be profitable, that you can use to reinvest because the base offer is usually just paying the bills. Sure. Greg Washington, he he's walking from Mississippi to West Point, New York. It's called a, a walk to honor. He had two of his comrades from his graduating class in West Point get killed in action as he's dealt with survivor's remorse. He's got PTSD. He's got all of these things going on. And there's no face or voice for mental health for African-American soldiers, veterans. He's raising awareness through his nonprofit. I could keep going down the list, right? I talked about my brother there. You know, there, there's ladies that we've spent some time with who are building real estate portfolios because part of our biggest part of our business is multifamily real estate. Yep. People show up and they get their thing. And when they're chasing that type of stuff and their dream becomes a reality, man, that hit a dopamine. The, the closing day, like yeah. those things excite me. And yeah, I, I was just listening to a podcast with John Blanton on it yesterday. You know, the guy made $60,000 in 60 days. On a real estate transaction, he added a half a million dollars to his net worth. Those things invigorate me. And to know that we had just a, a small piece of it, a small impact on it, it's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. These, these things can happen. That social proof that dreams should be real allowed me to go back and say, oh, yeah, I, I can say this with complete and utter confidence that this is the real thing. So what is yours? So let's, let's say you did this to me. I'm doing this to you now, my friend. So what is your dream? What is the dream that you want to come to fruition? Speak this into the people who are listening and just out into the world so that another group of people hear it. What, what do you want? What is your dream? It's very simple. I want to free a hundred people from work. They're not passionate about. Wow. Just a hundred because those hundreds will touch thousands, thousands, tens of thousands one of them will probably touch millions. Yeah. And for me, that's what it's about. See, we've got 80% of the workforce working on things because it pays. 80%. You check any Gallup survey and it goes up. I don't know that it actually goes down much lower than that. What if we could have those folks working on things that just light up their world? How different would the world be? I don't even know how the world would be, but I'd like to find out. <laughs> I just want to be there cheering for them and them potentially saying, this is a selfish piece for me. I don't know how I would have got here had we not done that. One of my favorite movies is The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And the scene that still makes me get goosebumps is when Will Smith is standing in the bathroom with his wife and he's brushing his teeth and he says, hey, babe, I'm going to be a stockbroker. And she looks at him with this mean look and says, well, why don't you be an astronaut? And it's just like, there's so many people who live in a space where they don't have the support they need in order to go out on this arduous journey, in order to create a life the second to none. Yeah. What if you can have your heaven on earth? I know people who have their heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. I have my heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And you can too, but you got to be willing to do something that is unconventional. It's not practical. People think you're, they think you're heady, but it's okay. Because we've been to the other side and we could tell you that it actually exists. And it's real. Yeah. One thousand percent. Yeah. So I try hard to prepare for these, but I love asking this question because it always ends up opening my eyes to something that I, I didn't come in with a predisposed sort of whatever. 
what should I have asked you? What about you should I have asked you so that our audience can get to know you even better? What did I want to be when I was growing up? Really? What did you want to be when you were growing up? A trash man. Really? Oh, yeah. So here's, here, here it is, man. Every Thursday, me and my mom would play in the front yard. She'd lay the blanket out. She'd get my Tonka trunks, and I'd be making a world. And it never failed about 1046, 1047. I hear the truck coming down the main street, and then it would turn on our street. I'd peek behind the car because I didn't want them to see me, and I'd see it. Headlights were on. Lonnie was hopping off, dumping the trash in. One, next house. Two, then he's in front of my house. And I'm out there, and I'm going crazy because Lonnie's there. And so Lonnie, he did the show for me every time. So he hop off the truck. He flipped the lid off of the garbage can. It spin around like a quarter, fall flat. He look at me. I look at him. He'd do a little pirouette, dump the trash in, and then he'd spin the trash can back to the curb. It never fell over. It hit right at the edge every single time. He sees me smiling. I'm doing my rendition of Baby Shark because I want him to crush the trash, man. I'm doing my rendition of Baby Shark. And he looks at me. He gives me the point, the wink, the gun, and then he pulls the lever. And I just go ape. Because he's crushing the trash. It is the biggest machine that I can get this close to. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. Now, my mom was standing there because, I mean, that's what they do. They just smile and they're like, oh, my gosh. And I look at my mom and I say, mommy, I want to be a trash man. And she says, her smile disappears. Oh, she said, baby, being a trash man won't afford you the lifestyle that you want to live. I said, but mommy, like. He's home when his kids come home from school and like they can play. And daddy doesn't come home until sometimes after dark. Sometimes we have to wait to have dinner because he's not here yet. I didn't get it. And she said, you have to choose a career or profession that allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Don't you like your Nikes? Don't you like your Jordache jeans and your, your guest shirt? Yeah. Well, you, you got to make enough money in order to buy that stuff. All my innocence was sucked out there. My mom gave me amazing advice. She needed to change one word, man. I need an income stream. Right? I didn't need a job. I need an income stream. I need money to come in, decouple from my time that would allow me to do the work that I wanted to do. And by the way, my mom was right. I, I, I didn't really want to be a trash man. I, I know what it's like to be a trash man when it's 100 degrees in North Carolina. I, I don't want to be on the back of a truck yeah. with the trash. I, I don't want to smell the stuff. I, I, I didn't want to get anything. And the funniest part about all this, and I didn't realize it until today, my first job, the first night I was working at Sonic and they asked me to clean out the trash can and I quit that day. Oh, right. I didn't want to be a trash man. Wow. My mom was so right. It wasn't the right reasons. When I stack all this up, why are you telling us the story, Jerome? Your dreams shouldn't be tied to how much they pay. If you can figure out your subscription model, your income stream that pays for your lifestyle, your time should be spent on the thing that you're most passionate about. And that's what I want everybody to take away from our conversation, man. Figure out how to get subscription income. Spend your time on the things you're most passionate about so that you make the world a better place. Because you've got something in you that you've been placed on the place of this planet to present to everybody. And if you don't do it, 
you're going to set off the string of events that keep other people from doing the things that they're supposed to do. And you're being selfish when you decide that I'm going to do the minimum and I'm just going to collect my paycheck and have my bonbons and my Starbucks coffee and whatever else you want out there that makes me comfortable because I know I'm not living the life that I'm supposed to live. Somebody listening to this might be thinking that they might want to talk to you or, or whatever. What, what, what is, first off, who do you want to work with? Let, let's, let's, again, give you the opportunity to cast the goodness out into the universe. Who do you want to work with? And then what is the best way for those ideal people to get in touch with you? I, I work with high income earners, usually sales professionals and financial services, or folks who want to get residual income through real estate. I don't promise anybody something for nothing because I don't think that's real. There's a lot of folks out there who tell you you can do things with no money, no experience, no credit. I don't believe them. <laughs> for those folks who are well positioned, they know that they're climbing the wrong ladder and they don't see it as a long term plan for what they're doing or they're doing it at a level that's not what they feel is the pinnacle for them. I can help both of those folks. So as I do my my quick wrap up here, first off, Jerome, I, I thank you, man. I, I mean, it's always a pleasure and an honor. Uh, thank you for entering into my life. I, I truly appreciate that. You not only have been a gift to me, but I know that you're a gift to, to many other people. So first off, I want to say thank you for being on the show. Grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. It's funny to me how when I ask the question, how should people reach out? There's always like little kernels that really pop out because I, I, the goal of the podcast is to find people like Jerome and have you hear their stories so that you can understand that you can rise above the noise and be your own loud. You can truly unapologetically be yourself and have the life you want, not the life that somebody else might want you to have, but the life that you want, like that true dream that Jerome talked about. But if you're climbing the wrong ladder, he just said this so powerful. If you feel like you're climbing the wrong ladder, it's scary to get off the ladder. And you need to have somebody who's one, potentially going to catch you or let you fall, which sometimes is way more important. But at least know that there's somebody there who's telling you that you can get off the ladder. And if you're a person who truly wants to do what they love to do, which doesn't necessarily mean it's not the same thing that's bringing you income, but having the space and the ability to live your life with the gifts that you've been given to make the impact on this earth that you should make, then you need to give Jerome a call. Now, we put up his LinkedIn uh, profile in the chat. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. We're going to make sure the links are to, to your websites are going to be in the show notes. Please, please, please subscribe to his podcast. Please make sure that you're checking him out on social media because he's always putting out really powerful things where in a short period of time, he's going to have you at least consider the red pill. You not necessarily take it, but consider the red pill. And if you want to try to figure out after you work with somebody like Jerome, which is very selfishly why I wanted you on the show, man. It's, I mean, this is wonderfully self-serving for our mission because it's hard to come to our organization when you don't have what you do done. Because if you're truly going to rise above the noise, get your voice heard, really become that expert that you want to be. You have to be cool with who you are here. That's it. It's the and only it, way it'll work. 
It is. It's the only way it'll work because we've had people who've come to us and that they're not there yet. And since they're not there, they don't have the level of quality. They don't have the focus. They don't have the dream. They don't have the understanding of what they can truly bring to their people. And by using somebody like Jerome, you can actually have that. So when you do step up to the plate, when you're ready for the big show, you're going to be truly prepared for it. So with that, I want to thank everybody for uh, listening today. And I'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've learned something that will help you be your own loud and rise above the noise in your vertical area of expertise. Now here at Proudmouth, our goal is to help you sell less and advise more by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. When people opt into your thought leadership, the sales process changes from hard selling to people buying from you. Isn't that what we all want? If you want to know more about how this process works, please visit us at proudmouth.com or join our free online academy at proudmouth.com forward slash academy.